What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Slam Dunk Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Jensen, and a couple of guests we have on today, a couple of old co-hosts we had uh, earlier in the year, uh, Kellen Voss and D'Angelo Starks. Guys, it's uh, great to have you guys back on. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. It's great to be back. I feel like I haven't recorded a podcast with you guys in like three years. Uh, it, it feels, this it's year just time. feels like it's been like three years wrapped up into one, to be yeah. honest. And so that totally makes sense to feel like that. And but no, it's great to, great to be talking some hoops with you guys. Uh, we're going to focus on uh, a mock draft after the lottery happened last night. But first, we have the NBA bubble. First few games of the playoffs have happened. And um, most of the series, like we were talking uh, before we started recording, most of the series kind of seem like uh, we know where they're going to head. It seems like Boston's going to take care of Philly. Um, it seems like even though Milwaukee lost the first game, they'll probably they're gonna they're gonna bounce back against uh, not uh, a pretty depleted Orlando team, not having Michael Carter Williams and Aaron Gordon. Uh, but a couple there are a couple intriguing series going on, and uh, two series involving uh, both LA teams are going on right now. Uh, they're both tied one one. Dallas and the Clippers, they have to play uh, game three tonight. And so um, that we'll see after that where it, uh, where it heads from there. Uh, last night, the uh, Lakers even up the series with the Trailblazers. So, guys, who do you believe of the two L.A. teams uh, has the biggest – is in the biggest uh, threat of getting knocked out early? I mean, if we would have recorded this podcast on Tuesday, I think we would have said the Lakers just because, you know, that, that Trailblazers team has has had the best player in basketball over the last couple of months, Damian Lillard. I, I really think that, like, the run he's had is going to be – it's going to be what we remember about the bubble. I think we're going to remember what he did and what Devin Booker did before we remember exactly what happened to the bubble in any circumstance. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Dayton has been completely unconscious. And you can't, you can't really say much more than that. But personally, I never really believed that Portland was good enough to beat the Lakers, despite how bad the Lakers have looked. Uh, and I really didn't think that the Mavs were gonna make the Clippers work this hard for it because you know the Clippers, they're widely considered one of the favorites for the title. But I would say that they're more susceptible to an upset right now because of how well Dallas is playing offensively. They just shoot so many threes. And I mean, Luca's going to do what Luca's going to do, which is like 30, 10 and 10 most nights. And with that, they have a recipe to realistically beat the Clippers, especially if Paul George keeps no showing and they're not really the same without their bench unit completely intact. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, playoff P has been uh, he's been playoff P really this uh, in, the, in these first two games. You know, super yeah. inconsistent. A big first game comes out and really lays an egg in the second game. Uh, I I'm in the camp with both you guys. I mean, I really thought that Portland could have probably after that first game really given the the Lakers some fits, but now Dame having the injury uh, with the way the Lakers kind of bounced back last night with AD having a big game. LeBron not really showing up, but only playing 26 minutes. And I don't think he's too worried about that anyways. Um, yeah, I definitely think the Clippers are, are could be in uh, uh, 
they could be in trouble here uh, in the next few games, especially depending on what happens tonight. If Luca comes out again and, and puts on a 40-point performance like he did in game one and, and comes out and gets a near triple-double, I mean, he's, I think he's, the, he's on pace to be the first player to average 35-8-8 eight and eight in, a, in his first playoff series ever, which is insane to think about that a, a 21-year-old is able to do that. At the 20, at the like I'm the same age as him. Like that's just crazy to think of. And you guys, yeah, and you guys are a little older yeah. than he is. That's a little crazy. To think yeah, about. it makes you it makes you uh, question what you're doing with your own life, honestly. But uh... <laughs> I remember, I remember, I was I was texting my dad the other night, and he admitted my dad is is only a Detroit sports guy for for most of you know most of the time he defers to Detroit sports. So the other night was the first time he actually watched Luca like like a full game and sat down a full game of Luca. And he was just like, this guy, like he makes the smartest basketball decisions that I have seen since like Larry, since like Larry Bird. He, he said that to me. He's just like the way he sees the game. It's just so easy for him and for him to be as young as he is. Like it's crazy. Like how fast he sees the floor move and his little head fakes to make the defense move and everything he does. It's just like, he's like five years ahead of his time. I think the craziest thing is, to be honest, is that, like, he could still get better. That jump shot still isn't there quite yet. He only hit on about 33% of his threes this year, which a guy who takes as many as Luka does, you want him to hit closer to a 35 36% clip. And so if he gets that number up there, uh, he gets in a little better shape. I know he wants to be a little bulkier because that size really helps him when he's driving to the bucket. But uh, still getting in better shape, like, I mean, he's really like, uh, James Harden, a right-handed James Harden, to be honest. I mean, he does everything Harden does. He's just not as lethal of a three-point shooter. And if he gets into the shape that Harden is, where like Harden's able to go these 40, 42-minute games and have the ball in his hands for a majority of the game, I mean, it Luka could be something uh, special that we've never <laughs> seen before. Yeah. I've, I've, I'm really excited. More than pretty much any other player in the league to see what his next five or six years look like, because honestly, it's, it only seems like we're going to, it's going to be better. Like I don't have any doubts that he's going to win at least one MVP. It will probably be multiple. We're just, we're looking at a guy who's going to be like one of the faces in the of the league post LeBron. And it's going to be really fun for a long time. I know they don't have a lot of cap space, but I really think they should look into um, adding a guy like Bradley Beal over the offseason. Just because, like, imagine having another – with all the shooters they have already that are already great role players, and we've seen the last couple of games, you know, Tim Hardaway, Trey Burke, shout-out former Michigan guys. But you go, like, Dorian Finney not, – not just them. You go, like, Dorian Finney-Smith, Seth Curry, like, uh, all these guys. Surprisingly, Michael K. Gilchrist has come in and hit a couple threes in these playoff games, which has been as surprising as ever. But, like – adding another elite guy to go with Luca and Kristaps, if they're one piece away from being a legitimate like title contender I've, in, in for years to come. Honestly. I have looked at the cap sheet. I've looked at free agents. I, I you're a hundred percent correct. They are, they're one guy away to really be competing with the Clippers and the Lakers of the West and, and competing for that one seed because they have that core already set in with with Chris Stapps and Luca. And if you get a third guy that can that can get you eighteen points a night consistently, because they have a bunch of guys that can do that on on any given night, but you mm-hmm. need a guy who's going to give that to you almost every single night. 
Like Dorian Finney-Smith, I love him. I love his effort on defense. I, he knocks down some shots every once in a while. But, I mean, I don't think he's a guy that should be starting on a team like this. Uh, no, absolutely I, not. Absolutely. I think he, he and Seth Curry would be a great pairing uh, in the second unit next year because when Dwight Powell comes back, I think for sure – as long as they don't trade uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. because of the big contract he has to bring in a big contract, I would assume that Chris Stapps, Luca, Dwight Powell, and Tim Hardaway are going to be the starting four. And I think if you can bring in a wing that can also defend a little bit because they do need help in the defensive end of the floor, absolutely, but can also get you that 17, 18 points a night, this team could really make some noise next year and, and get up to close to 60 wins, I think, in the West. Yeah, Bradley Beal was a little bit of dream chasing, honestly, from my part. I think that'd be like an idea. Oh, that would, would be an amazing if that world. happened. That would be, yeah, it, it, it would never happen, but it would be an ideal world kind of thing. Just looking at some guys that are free agents in this class uh, that could, I, I like Eric Gordon for them. I think that's an underrated one. I think he could be a really solid, like, um, contributor. I just don't know if he's ever going to leave. Um, I don't know if he's ever going to leave uh, Houston. An interesting one for them. How about DeMar DeRozan? You throw him in the mix, he's a free agent after this year. That would be interesting. If they, if that, they can open up the cap little... space to get it, I mean, I don't think uh, Cuban and uh, Carlisle would be opposed to bringing him in. No, I think he, he'd bring a great veteran presence. I think that his Dick, Lucas, Lucas' game can honestly complement almost anybody's, but I think he can make Luca can make him so much better while DeRozan gives them like the veteran leadership and it gives them a guy to go to in these clutch situations. Because they were actually like, I don't know if you guys saw the stat because I felt like the announcer said it every game towards the end of all the Dallas games, but they said that like um, the Dallas ninth in offensive efficiency in the last three minutes of, of, of games. It's been that way the whole year. You throw a guy like DeRozan in there, he autom- that automatically makes them probably at least an average team when it comes to those shots at the end of the game. Yeah. And so I think that could, that could bring them to a whole other level, and it gives them another. It gives them another good, a good, not a great defender, but a guy who can. A guy who can you can you can throw him on a guy like Paul George or Kawhi and he's not going to be scared that kind of thing. absolutely like I feel way better about that than I feel about you know um, throwing like Finney Smith like you said on onto those guys exactly uh, another team in the bubble that has really been catching some eyes because in the first eight games before the playoffs started there was a lot of question marks they didn't have Bogdanovich and Mike Conley was in and out of the lineup and the Utah Jazz these last two games after losing in overtime to Denver have looked as good as any team in the West has or any team in the league has right now. I think a couple of 30-point blowouts, I want to say that uh, at least this game two, I'm not sure what the final of uh, game three was today, but... Yeah, it was, it was in it that was neighborhood. 124-87. So, oh, yeah, they won, yeah, I mean... They won by 37. Yeah, yeah so it's it's surprising to see a team that relied so heavily on Bogdanovich this year that not having him in the lineup, it's just plug and play right now. And Jordan Clarkson seems to be uh, a great guy coming off the bench who doesn't ever want to pass the ball. I I don't ever feel like when he has the ball in his hand, like I know it's going to go up and I don't know how defenses can't stop it. But I mean, he gets, he gets you 20 every, every couple games. He'll have it in a half sometimes. Yeah. It's like, wow, like that just whole thing is if, – if you can count on that, that kind of a score coming off your bench is, is a great thing to have. And all year, the problem that Utah has is that they had no bench. I mean, it was pretty much Jordan Clarkson and that was it. 
for the most part, but I think Georgie Yang has looked really good in the bubble. Oh, yeah. I'm impressed with what I've seen out of Tony Bradley out of UNC. I think he's doing a very a much better job of getting positioning down low and everything. Uh, even Emmanuel, guys like Emmanuel Moutier aren't looking bad for them, which is like that was kind of their whole problem all season. But if their role guys are going to actually start performing, this Utah team could just sneak into the conference finals, honestly. To me, when uh, when it comes to Utah, obviously, like you think of Donovan Mitchell and Gobert, but like I think a lot of the credit has to go to Quinn Snyder. Honestly, I think he's one of the one of yeah. the three to five best coaches in the league. And honestly, he's just out coaching Mike Malone. It's as simple as that. Like today, he made like Rudy Gobert a focal point, and Rudy Gobert was roasting, absolutely roasting the Nuggets defense. I mean, if he can do that with Rudy Gobert. There's there's really no limit to what you can do as a coach. I feel like he's just got his team in a perfect position. He knows his guys. He knows how to get them the right shots in the right situations. And he's just he's just better than Mike Malone. It's as simple as that. And that team is just playing really well. They're peaking at the right time. Yeah, I think a lot of people going into this series, you know, obviously we're counting out Utah because of uh, the lack of depth that they supposedly had. In, these, uh, in the first few games of the bubble and obviously in the regular season as well. But I think a lot of it also has to do with what Denver kind of looks like in the eight bubble games. You know, you had these big lineups with the shortest guy being 6'9 in the starting lineup, bull, bull hitting shots all over the place. But, you know, when it comes to playoff time, you don't see bull, bull in there. You don't see some of these guys that were getting some big minutes for Denver in there. And I think Denver's depth really helped them in the in the bubble games when guys were sort of getting their legs back and Denver didn't have to worry about that too much because they could go 12 deep and really they weren't too worried about it. But once you get into playoff time, you can't go that deep. You need to shorten your bench and have your guys and not having Will Barton and Gary Harris definitely hurts them. Uh, But, but this, uh, this Utah team, uh, we haven't even talked about Donovan Mitchell. He had 57 points. No, seriously. He's he's their go-to. I'm surprised it took us this long to bring yeah. him up, really. 57 points in game one. That's the third most points in playoff history. Uh, I mean, what he's doing is phenomenal. He's putting this team on his back like he did uh, two years ago as a rookie in the league. Um, and uh, somebody who I sort of questioned this season as, is he is he legit? Uh, does he have that it factor to lead a team? And he's proving me wrong to, to the fact that he can he can do this in big uh, crunch time moments and against some of the best competition. Honestly, every Utah game I've watched, I, I see I feel like they have a chance because of him. I think that he's really turned into a special guy, especially in this in these playoff series. And he's not even like the focal point of the offense. Sometimes, sometimes they'll have like I, I like I watch pretty much every minute of game two. And Joe Ingles, like, was initiating their offense and everything. And it, it looked really good. He using him as a cutter, using him as – as a, they use him as a default screener to kick out the threes as well. That that kid is – that kid is special, man. I really – he's 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 another Dwayne Wade is what he is. He's going to be – he's going to be probably finished third or fifth in MVP voting over the next couple of years. It's going to happen. It has to. I think a lot of these MVP candidates are going to come from the West, to be honest. I mean, we talk about Luka. We talk about Donovan Mitchell, you know. Kawhi and LeBron I think are still going to be up there and like I think and I, it's been a foregone conclusion that the West is easy, is a better conference than the East these last 10 years and um, while the East has gotten better in some regards I mean Toronto won the title last year Cleveland a few years back with LeBron but it just seems like 
it's going to be incredibly tough, even tougher than years past for some of these middling West teams that we'll talk about here in the lottery to, uh, to make the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's just so much good talent and honestly, like good coaching out West. And there's a lot of teams that know who they are and what they're doing. So the playoff races are only going to be more fun. I'm, I'm excited because the bubble one was already tremendously exciting. So I think we're only going to have more of that, especially if the NBA adopts the play in system like regularly. Which that was a hit across the boards with everyone. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that was amazing. That was the, yeah. the that that entire game, the matchup of Dame versus John Morant. They should they should make that an every year thing. Hundred percent. Who doesn't like win or go home? I mean, that's that's the best. I mean, that's why March Madness is so great. And if you can bring that into the NBA, I mean, it's a home run. So uh, let's get into the mock draft. We randomized uh, the uh, order that we will be picking. Um, if any of us come up with a pick that a team earlier in the mock draft has another one, we defaulted it to them. And so with the first pick, the Minnesota Timberwolves won the lottery last night and D'Angelo ended up with the first pick. And so D'Angelo, the floor is yours. I do not feel good about this at all Um, because (laughs) this is such a weird roster. I really don't know what they're doing, what their way forward is. Um, and I don't feel particularly good about the pick that I'm going to have to make. But with what they have and what they're doing, I we literally talked about him before this and how much none of him, none of us like him. But I think he's the pick that makes the most sense for this team. So for Minnesota, I'm going with uh, Anthony Edwards. I think we talked about it before the pod. He has, of all the players in the draft, he has – the slightest potential chance to be something special. And although he has a laundry list of flaws, I think Minnesota will probably take a crack at him uh, with one and hope that he can be a third guy that they can put with Cat and D'Angelo Russell. I don't know about you guys, but the first time I was introduced to Anthony Edwards was at the Maui Invitational this past year. And you don't have the to way, remind. You don't have the, to remind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The way he was able to just like go off against Michigan State and just like he was a straight up killer in that game. So I want to see him get more efficient and I want to see him uh, do more on defense. Uh, I was saying before we were talking before the guys, Jay Billis had a quote last night about Edwards saying that the only questions about his game are his efficiency, his decision making, his shot selection, and his defense. So, like, if all those are your struggles, then like, like Leangelo said, He's a great athlete and can be a third scorer for this Timberwolves team. I just want to see more consistency out of him. Absolutely, and that's the biggest. You hope he can turn into the guy that played in the second half against Michigan State last year because that was incredible what he did in Maui. Um, Of the two guards that I think it'll come down to for the number one pick, I think Edwards is probably the best fit for the Timberwolves. He has a better upside defensively because athletically he has the tools to really be an average or above average defender. It's really just being locked in is what is going to cost him. And off ball, those things I think you learn once you get to the NBA. I mean, DeAndre Ayton was a bad defender in college. Ben Simmons was a bad defender in college. And those guys have turned into, in a short time, one of the, a couple of the better defenders in the league. And so I think as far as the defensive side of things goes, 
um, we kind of uh, overblow that a little bit. I think you can you can learn to become a better defender in the league, and I think he has the tools to definitely do that. And so, while nothing in the t- at the top of this draft really uh, uh, pops out to me, uh, I think Anthony Edwards is a, is a good pick there. And so, moving on to Golden State at two, we got Kellen. Uh, if you're looking at Golden State, I mean, it's crazy to think that we're in a draft that Golden State has the second best pick. It feels like they haven't had. <laughs> it feels like they haven't had a pick in the lottery since Steph Curry, honestly. Um, but uh, if I'm going, if I'm going with uh, with Golden State, I know that I get, I know that I get Steph and Clay and Draymond back. I know that Wiggins is going to be an okay piece for me, so I'm going to add a big to go with them. I think that I think they're going to fall in love with this two this guy's two way potential. He's a little bit of athletic marvel. I love the way he he plays defense as well. It's going to be huge for that Golden State team. I got to take James Wiseman out of Memphis. I think okay. I think he has the potential to be the best player in this draft. Uh, I think he's. I think his his shooting stroke is is really really good for a big man. I mean, Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer compared him to to, to Wallace with the weight with his shots. And if he can hit big shots like Rasheed Wallace did, then that Warriors team is going to win three more championships. My biggest concern with Wiseman uh, is just teams are going to look for him all the time. And I know I just said with Edwards that he can that you can learn how to play defense, but. With Wiseman, it's not the effort part. It's he, he's very slow on the perimeter when it comes to moving laterally. And so if that can change, I mean, he's a he's going to be an amazing rim runner. He's going to be an amazing uh, uh, shot blocker in the post. And his size and strength. I mean, I think he has a seven six wingspan. So he's already he already has the tools to be be a, a, an elite rim protector. It's really just the guarding away from the basket. Uh, I think teams are just going to his rookie year focus on him a ton. Um, I, I I agree with you that they need to go with a big here, and I think Wiseman is a is a solid choice for them. Yeah, I I agree. I feel like everything about him has pretty much been said. I lean more with Noah on how I feel about him, but if any team can bring him in and kind of teach him how to play good basketball, I feel like it's Golden State. So in that sense, I think that's a pretty good fit. So with the guy off the board that I wanted to take here for Charlotte at number three, uh, which was Wiseman, I was I was thinking he was going to follow me here at three. Um, it leaves me in a bit of a uh, it leaves me be- guessing between two picking between two guys, um, but I think, gosh, I think I'm going to go with the guard here, and that's going to be Lamelo Ball. I think adding him to this uh, to the Charlotte roster. Uh, I know they have Devontae Graham. I know they just paid Terry Rozier, but you're bringing in a six, seven point guard who can see above defenses, who has uh, elite passing abilities already at 18 years old, is a very good rebounder at the guard position. And as long as the uh, mentality isn't pulling from 40 feet every time you come up the court, like it was in high school and sometimes in some NBL uh, games for LaMelo, I think he could be a special talent. And I already, I think personally, He's above where Lonzo was uh, coming into the draft. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Yeah, I I fully expected for this to be the pick here. Um, I think it it makes the most sense for this team. He brings some excitement to Charlotte, and hopefully, you know, he can. They could do some really weird stuff with their guards, and they they could just like get weird with it because that's really the only option they have. <laughs> they don't yeah. have much of a road forward. 
I mean, I know this is not a healthy way to build an NBA team necessarily, but like if I'm Charlotte at this point, I'm just looking for guys to sell jerseys. Like I, I really like LaMelo ball is a reason to watch the Charlotte Hornets. Now the way he's able to pull up from deep, the potential he has, the passes he can make the highlight type, the highlight type tape type potential he has with Charlotte. I really think that being the best player in this class, I don't think this, it would be a, I don't think it would be a shocker. I wouldn't be expecting it, but it wouldn't be a shocker. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it, he's he's the youngest. He's he's one of the youngest. He, he's been playing professional basketball since he was 16. So I think that's got to be a plus for him. He's already three years in to playing professional basketball and playing against grown men, whereas Anthony Edwards was playing against some some guys in the doldrums of the SEC who are accountants now, you know. So I, I really like Ball here, and I think he's he, he could be a stud. So at four, we have Chicago and D'Angelo. Make our guy Joe proud with this pick here. This is another weird roster because they have guys at every position. They're yeah. they're such a weird team. Um, but I'm gonna go with a guy because I don't think they need anyone that really needs a lot of shots. I don't think they need anyone who they don't need any guys like that. They have plenty of guys who want to take shots. Um, I think a guy like Denny Avija makes a lot of sense for them. I think he could be a good secondary creator for them at forward. I think. He's a better option than a lot of the guys they have at forward because, you know, they're still playing Otto Porter. And, I mean, I think I don't have to say much more than that. But I just really – I love his game. He's so smooth. He's got – he's definitely got some Luka in his game, and that's not just because he's European, but he has a similar feel and flow to his game. I think he he could be a piece that maybe gets this offense to become more of a cohesive unit versus just, like, five guys playing together. Yeah, and my scouting report on Denny, I put down he's like he's a Luca light, really. Yep. Uh, he's somebody that can bring the ball up for you. He can he can initiate offense. He can play off ball a little bit, and he's honestly a better defender than Luca is coming into the draft. Uh, he's mm-hmm. a little bigger, a little bulkier, um, but he moves a little quicker uh, than than uh, Luca did coming into the draft. I know that was one concern a lot of people had about Luca, and so uh, the jump shot is the big question for Denny. Uh, before the restart in the Israeli league happened, he was around a 27% three point shooter. He, in the games after the restart, including the playoffs where he won the Israeli league MVP, he got his, uh, in the, in that stretch of games, I think he was shooting around 42% from three, uh, which is, is great to see uh, that his jump shot is starting to fall a little bit. And, um, yeah, I really, I, uh, grown to like Denny a lot more. In the past couple of weeks, he's been rising in my uh, big board. And uh, I think if you end up with, with Denny, he's probably of the top five picks. I think he's the safest of them all. I agree. I, agree. I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know as much about Denny as you guys do, but I like the length. I like the three point shooting. I think at the very worst he could be, you know, um, Danilo Gallinari which I think is a, is a fine addition to that, to that um, Chicago team with all the ball creators they have in terms of Zach Levine and Laurie Markinen. There's only one ball to go around, and I don't think he needs it to contribute. So I, I think that's a good pick from D'Angelo. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so another weird ro- roster we have here at five for Kellen is Cleveland. You, you, don't, you don't have to say weird. You can just say it's a bad roster. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a really, it's a really ugly, really I – don't, I don't know how – it's just – the more and more you look at it, the more ugly it gets. And 
as 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 Pistons fans ourselves, Andre Drummond does not make it much better. Unfortunately, um, I would go with I, I'm going to go with Devin Vassell here. I really think that um, you know I they have the young guards in Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. I think if you're the if you're Cleveland, you got to see what you have with those guys. I don't think you can pick another guard uh, with Drummond and Love in the backcourt. That's at least some. There's something legitimate there. There's something solid there. I think you throw Vassell in there. I think his game could be a lot like that of what we saw Mikel Bridges do with the Suns. I think the Cavs could use his defense. The Cavs could use his versatility. And if he can make corner threes, he can. He he has a place in this league for a long time. You keep taking the guys I want to take with my next pick, and it's really frustrating me. No, I I have Devin Vassell in this draft. I think he. He could potentially also. I think he has a, a high potential of being a first a first team all rookie candidate this year, especially if he ends up in Cleveland, where he's going to get a lot of run. Um, I really like his game. Uh, his freshman to sophomore year, he he really improved his uh, off the dribble shooting. He had one jumper as a freshman off the dribble, thirty nine as a sophomore. So you can see the improvement there. He's a great team defender. Averages about one and a half blocks and one and a half steals a game at Florida State, uh, really is getting into passing lanes all the time. He's leaving his guy in the right moments to get a chase down block, and I, I think he's going to really uh, stay in this league for 12, 14 years and be a very efficient player. For me, I agree with everything both of you said. I love this guy. He's probably my second favorite player in this draft. I just think what he brings to the table is, I mean, he's one of those 3 and D guys, but of the 3 and D guys in this class – I think that he has more offensive potential than any of the other three and D guys. He's kind of, he's shown some pull-ups off the dribble and that he can, he can do some stuff with the ball in his hands. And he's not just a guy that has to be relegated to sitting in the corner and catching and shooting. He can do more than that offensively. And that's where I start to really, really fall in love with this game. And I think that's a great pick for Cleveland who doesn't have any clue what they are as a team. So with the sell off the board, I, it makes my pick here for Atlanta a lot easier at six. I'm going to go with Tyrese Halliburton, uh, a great spot up shooter, shot 42% from three. His biggest concern on offense is that he won't shoot the ball off the dribble very well just because of the slow release. It takes him a while, but he's very good uh, in transition. He's a pretty solid team defender. Uh, on the ball, you, you see the skills he has, but a lot of Big 12 coaches said they actually went after him a lot. Uh, and which kind of surprised me when I watched the film with how, how well he moves on defense. But I think that just has something to do with his skinny build, which he'll, I think he'll gain some weight. He's only 19 years old. I think he's going to gain some muscle. And uh, I think it's going to be a great fit in Atlanta next to Trey Young, who needs some more shooters around him. I'm a huge fan of Halliburton. I, just his entire offensive, the, everything he brings to the game offensively. He has a great feel for the game. He's, like you said, he's young, but he has an advanced feel, and he really understands how to navigate an offense and, and how to run an offense. I just think he's going to be a pro for a long time. Even if he's not a superstar, he's going to be a guy that you know can be a starter in this league for like eight to ten years for sure. D'Angelo, were you going to take this guy if he fell to seven? I wasn't, actually. Okay, I'm... okay, interesting. Because this is, this is the guy that I've seen mocked to the Detroit Pistons the most, honestly. And I, I really love the fit that I see with this guy. The thing that jumps off the board for me is everything that he's bad at is something that you can improve upon in the NBA. 
Uh, he he uh, draft experts are saying he lacks athleticism. You can build upon that in the NBA. He avoids contact at the rim. That's something that comes with playing more and more basketball and playing more and more professional basketball. I think if he can make progress off the dribble and everything, yes, I think he can be a solid point guard in this league. Uh, my only problem is I don't think his ceiling is very high. So I, I think he does. He, I don't. I, he's not going to be a star out of this class, but he might end up being like he might end up being a sneaky all star a couple times, honestly. So when D'Angelo and I did our first mock draft of the year, when it was just the lottery teams, we had Detroit slated at seven. They end up with the seventh pick. And the guy I think we both like is sitting there to take. And I think I know where this pick is going. So, D'Angelo? Oh, you absolutely know where this pick is going. It's going to France. It's, yes, uh, it is going to be Killian Hayes. There's just there's so much to love about this guy. When you watch him on tape, he, he's really – He's, I'm. He's not him, but he's Harden-esque in some of the moves that he has and the way that he handles handles himself on the court. But he's just he's got such a great feel for the game. He's a guy that you can give the keys to your offense tomorrow, and I think that he would run it to perfection. He's a guy that I think Detroit fans could get excited about, and he will have them, and he'll be there for a long time because he just plays good basketball, and he's a guy that I feel like is going to steadily improve because when you look at his weaknesses, he's not quite a knockdown three point shooter yet. He's not there. He shot 29% this season, but he's got a good looking shot and he has the confidence that you feel like you want a player like him to have. So I have all the faith that this guy is going to be great. And if the Pistons can land him, I think it's a huge win for them. Yeah, he's, He's a perfect fit in Detroit right now. Uh, you add another French player in Killian Hayes to pair up with Sekou Dumboya, who can sort of thrive with each other in this offense, how to play with each other uh, at a young age. Um, he's also a dog on defense, which I, I don't think mm-hmm. a lot of people give enough credit for. Uh, he's a 6'5 point guard who has about a 6'7 wingspan. So not a huge plus wingspan, but still a plus nonetheless. Um, I think he he's the easy pick here at seven. If this is, if this is how the draft shakes out and Killian Hayes is sitting here with everybody else on the board, I think this is exactly where Detroit needs to go. This is exactly what Pistons fans want. And is this, is this deal? I mean, there, if you look at the Pistons right now, you're looking at guys like Luke Kennard, you're looking at guys like Christian Wood, you're looking at guys like Steve McKay, Luke and Sekou. They're all guys that kind of need a leader. They kind of need a guy to rise above on offense. And Derek Rose is unfortunately going to stay injury prone and going to stay is going to keep getting older so i think killian hayes can move right in i think i love the lefty stroke and i love the french revolution that we might be seeing on the detroit pistons it would be here. wonderful and be really Absolutely. nice uh the big losers of the draft last night were the new york knicks they fell to eight <laughs> kellen uh that's your pick here oh the new york knicks man the new york knicks i think are just going to want i think if i'm the knicks i want to make a splash you know you got that new you got the new general manager group. You got uh, you got Tom Thibodeau there. I think you got you got to make a splash, and I think you got to go with Obi Toppin here. I think there's a, there's an argument to be made that he was the best player in college basketball last season, and with good reason. He's a great playmaker. He's a great shooter, and he honestly could have. If there was a if there was a NCAA March Madness, I think he probably would have led Dayton to at least the Final Four. I think he's a great athlete. I think he has the potential to be a Mari Stoudemire with a jump shot. Like the the guy has high upside, and that's exactly what the Knicks are looking for. He's grown on me a lot. 
uh, these past few weeks, the more and more I've seen him offensively. Defensively, uh, there are some question marks. I think he has the feel for the game, though, enough to really learn uh, the uh, trades uh, of, of playing NBA defense. And, uh, yeah, I'm not too worried about Obi translating into the NBA. I think this is a really good pick for New York. I don't think they can be too upset if a guy like Obi Toppin falls to them here at eight. No, absolutely. Obi is everything that Nick fans could want in, t- in terms of, like Kellen said, you want to make a splash. You want someone that can be exciting in Madison Square Garden, and that's the best option left on the board, too, especially with all the point guards gone. I think this makes my pick at nine uh, easy again. I agree. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's the third best player on my board, um, and that's a Necro Okongwu. Uh center out of USC, super efficient around the rim. There isn't anything he's bad at other than he's undersized a little bit for the center position hmm. at 6'8". That is going to be something he's going to have to learn to uh, learn to play uh, play against these big centers uh, with because, I mean, unless he gets a growth spurt here, um, I don't uh, see that his, his size getting any better. Uh, but he's got amazing feel for the game. Um, I wouldn't call him Bam Adebayo, even though he's built sort of like a Bam is in today's NBA. Uh, he doesn't, he can't uh, run up the floor with the ball in his hands as well as Bam could in high school that we saw and that we're seeing now in the NBA. But I think this is a great pick to pair with a couple of guards like uh, John Wall and Bradley Beal, and who could really make a splash next year. The Wizards in the East and uh, contend for like a top four or five seat. Yeah, uh, this is, I mean, like you said, this pick was so easy to make. I think Washington would be thrilled if it, the board played out this way and he fell to them because like you said he's your third best player on your board. Yeah. And he's he's just, you know he's going to be a good pro. He does everything that you need him to do as a modern center. And I think anytime you can get in a high-energy guy like him who plays really good on defense – I I think it's a win, and Washington would be – yeah, they'd be a team to watch out for in the East. After what we saw this season, if you can get a guy at the number nine pick who you compared to Bam Adebayo, one of the, the – the guy who should win most improved player of the year for the NBA here, you got to do it in terms of this athleticism. That pick and roll with Brad Beal would be filthy. You go him and Okongwu, that would be an amazing offense. Absolutely. Phoenix here at 10, they were the – uh, real Cinderella's here in the bubble, uh, winning all eight games. Unfortunately, we're a half game short of making the playoffs. I think we were all, I, I mean, at least I was rooting for Brooklyn to beat Portland uh, on, to, to see Phoenix at least get a shot. But they're sitting here at 10 in the lottery and uh, still with some good names on the board here, D'Angelo. I will just quickly say I will never understand why Karis LeVert didn't just drive past C.J. McCollum, but that's a time, that's a topic for another day. <laughs> Um, yes. I think there are some guys here that would be expected. I'm going to go a little bit probably off the reserve. Not really off the reserve. But after watching a lot of Phoenix, you know, they they look really good. And they have options at pretty much every position. But they don't really have a, like a backup two guard or a guy that can come off the bench and give them some more scoring. So I'm just going to give them scoring and I'm going to give them a lot of it. So I'm going to give him Aaron Naismith out of um, Vanderbilt. Love it. The 6'6 shooting god. I mean, the man shot eight threes a game and shot 
give me him on any team in the league, and I think he's going to succeed. And I think Phoenix would die to have a guy like him coming off their bench to just light up the scoreboard while Devin Booker is resting. I think it's a really good fit with that team, and I like him a lot. I just think he's probably going to slide a little bit, but he, I mean, in today's league, if you can shoot the ball as well as he can shoot it, you're going to play, and you're going to play a lot. I don't think he's going to slide that far because I think the team who's uh, slated to pick next uh, would love to get him. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, uh, (laughs) Yeah, he has spurs like all over him in terms of the Danny Green vibes. Yeah, in our first mock draft we did, that's that's who I had going to San Antonio, and I thought that was a perfect fit. Uh, He's going to be like Duncan Robinson in Phoenix. He's going to run up and down the floor. Devin Booker's going to find him wide open, and he's going to hit every single three he shoots. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy just does not miss ever. Ever. And uh, if, his, if his lateral quickness can improve a little bit on the defensive end, he'll be – Michael Bridges even uh, even maybe you'd want him on the floor more than Michael. Because if you if you add Aaron Nesmith to this team, you have Nesmith, Cam Johnson, and Michael Bridges, who are three knockdown shooters. And you could potentially play all three of them at the same time with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. And good lord, they're going to put 150 points. <laughs> that, that's a, that's a scary one. Yeah, but they are going to get 150. Yeah, absolutely. So San Antonio here at 11 is for Kellen, and their uh, their pick is off the board, unfortunately, with Nesmith. So, uh, but once again, still some uh, very good options. So San Antonio likes to go a little bit off the beaten path when it comes to their draft picks. Uh, When I look at that roster for San Antonio, I see a lot of promising guards. I see DeJounte Murray. I see Bryn Forbes. I see Patty Mills still kicking it. I see, I know they played DeMar DeRozan at the four a little bit in the bubble, but obviously he's, he's more tends to be in the guard position. I like Rudy Gay. Uh, I don't know how much, how much of LaMarcus Aldridge is in their future. So I think this guy could potentially be, LaMarcus Aldridge, not not substitution, but he could change a little bit up of what the Spurs are doing. For the longest time, LaMarcus Aldridge wasn't going to shoot threes, and this guy's going to shoot threes, and he's big, and he's he's a foreign guy. He fits the Spurs mold, I think, with some great coaching. He can do, do a lot of good things. I'm going to do I'm going to do it. Alex Sedge. Oh, I yay. love Sedsky. it. I love I'm sorry. It. I'm sorry if you're I'm sorry if you're listening, Alex Sedge. I probably butchered your name. But you have San Antonio Spurs written all over you. As long as you get in the weight room and and add on twenty or fifteen to twenty pounds, not even of muscle, just any pounds of any sort, and you can <laughs> shoot threes like he can with the guards they have in San Antonio, then you might not need to start the rebuild as soon as you thought you did. So not the guy I was expecting here at eleven. Um, I think it's a little bit of a reach personally. I, I do love his film. Uh, the only my only big question mark for him is he's playing in the second uh, Greek league, which is, uh, according to a lot of international scouts, not even the top 10 of leagues. So that sort of concerns me a little bit. But what you see is uh, great athleticism at a seven-foot-one center, uh, a guy who can shoot the ball with range. Uh, he can pass like Jokic. Um, I, I described him the first time I saw him as a skinny Jokic. I think that's what he could turn into, and – uh, with the Spurs development system and with the Spurs, uh, with how great they've been with international prospects, 
I think this is a really slam dunk pick for them. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on, on the head there with how they develop young guys and how they bring guys along. There's no doubt that they would get him in the weight room a little bit because the guy is basically me if I was his height um, in terms of how slender he is. But I love his game. I love watching him dribble the ball up the court and pass like he's a guard. He has the potential to be like Jokic very much, and I think San Antonio could unlock that potential more than probably any team in the league. I think I read uh, a scouting report on him that said uh, the winds of Lake Huron could blow him into the lake, <laughs> uh, which is not, which is very accurate with how slim he is. Uh, so, but I, no, I, he needs to put on weight. That's dangerous. The, yeah, that's, you look at him and he just like he looks unhealthy. He can't. It's it just uh, it, that that's the only part that makes me uncomfortable about it. But if anybody can pull it off, it's the Spurs. I mean, he's got a seven three wingspan for crying out loud. Yeah, he's he, he's got to he got to do something with that. So Sacramento sitting here at 12, uh, I, I think this is a really tough pick. Uh, there's a lot of ways they could go. Um, I know they like Marvin Bagley, uh, even though he's a bit injury prone. Uh, they're probably going to have to lock up uh, Donovan, or excuse me, uh, De'Aaron Fox here in the next uh, couple seasons. Um, I'm going to go with a wing guy who's probably the best defender in the draft, and that's Isaac Okoro out of yeah. Auburn. A great defender can get to the rim. There's a lot of Stanley Johnson vibes coming from Isaac Okoro, which shouldn't please anybody, even though Stanley had 25 in a bubble game. Um, he cannot shoot the ball. Guys in the SEC let him shoot at will, and he still shot, I believe, 28%, I want to say. 28%. Yeah. 29 if you round up. As a okay. generous favor. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll round up to 29. Uh, but he's going to be a dog on the defensive end. Yeah. He can guard one through four with ease because of his long wingspan. He's only 6'6", but he's got a 6'9 wingspan. He's pretty tough, and he can guard. Uh, by, the, by the middle of his rookie season, I wouldn't uh, feel bad about putting him on the other team's best, uh, best guard or best player for that matter. Yeah, I, you take him – you have to hope that he develops a jump shot because if he develops a jump shot, he's a real problem. And he's, he's a player that you, that every team would kill to have if he develops a jump shot, but even defensively, he he's just so good and he's so reliable on that end that it's worth taking him here. And Sacramento just doesn't have a guy like that. Yeah. New Orleans here now at 13 for D'Angelo. Uh, they were supposed to be the team that got into the playoffs, uh, but Portland really, uh, really took that from them, and just not a lot of sense of urgency out of this team, even with the likes of, you know, Brandon Ingram uh, playing as well as he did, Zion coming back. Uh, it just they kind of fell flat. They're going to have a new coach coming in after uh, Alvin Gentry was fired, and so uh, the pick is yours, D'Angelo. Yeah, they're another team that is just they're. They're hard to crack because you you would think they should be good, um, but who knows? We'll see what they are with their next coach. I feel like they are one of those teams that also needs one of those three and D guys. Uh, so I feel like the I'm gonna just go with the best one on my board left. I think it makes sense for them to take Sadiq Bay. He He's a solid 3 and D guy. I mean, there's not much else to say about him. He shoots the ball well. He shoots the ball better than Okoro. 
but he's not as good on the defensive end. I think he's just he's the type of forward I think they can use. You know, they're not very good defensively as a team outside of Drew Holiday and Lonzo. So you need somebody that can guard forwards, and I think that he could come in and help with that problem on that team. There I was love a different that pick. Yeah. No, go ahead, Kellen. I, I love that pick out of D'Angelo. I think it. I think it's a great fit to go with the Pelicans because that Pelicans team. There's a lot of guys that need the ball in their hands to contribute. When you look at Lonzo, when you look at Drew Holiday, when you look at Zion, there's not a lot of shots to go around. I love Zadiq Bay as a prospect in this draft because I think he can kind of blend into the offense, shoot some threes on occasion, and then just play incredible defense on the other end. I really think that 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 this he might end up being the best value in the draft in terms of like how far how much talent you're getting with the 13th pick. I think this guy could. I think this guy's a re, he's a really good. That's a really good pick there by D'Angelo. There was a different three and D guy I had in mind. Uh, we had mentioned him. In the last mock draft we did for New Orleans, uh, we'll get to him in a little bit. Um, but, no, this is a really good pick. Uh, he can just be a spot-up shooter for them. And uh, like a Coro guard, probably uh, the best wing. Um, I don't know if he can get to guards at 6'9". At that would be tough to have him yeah. guard some of the smaller guards in the league, I think, uh, foot speed-wise. But um, two through four and possibly some small ball fives, I think he could do a really good job with. And so I think he'd be a really good fit in New Orleans. Um, Boston here at 14, the last pick of the lottery. Uh, Kellen, you're up. I got to be a Boston expert in this draft because I think I have, I think I have, I know I have their last pick and I think I had the one before that. I, yeah, you, I, have, I have to you, make three picks for yep. Boston in this draft. <laughs> so, so when it, when it comes to Boston, the one thing that I hate watching them every time I see them play is Brad Wanamaker. Just, he's just so average. He's just so, he's mm-hmm. so blah. And every time the announcers are like, you know, he's got a great story. The kid's got a great heart. And every time he's just turned the ball over in transition, I feel like every time they say that. So I really need them to get a better point guard here. As much as, as much as we all love Kemba, he might have arthritis in his knees, which is like anytime you have to say that to anybody, let alone a 30-year-old 30 starting point guard in the NBA, that's concerning. So I think that this guy fits the Boston brand. I think he can come off the bench with Marcus Smart and just be a dog, but he can pick up the scoring for Marcus Smart. I got to go with Cole Anthony here. He has the chance to be the best scorer in this draft if you're looking at just pure scoring. And I really think that one day you could you could pair him up eventually with with eventual MVP Jason Tatum and eventual uh, defense all defensive team player Jalen Brown. And that's a scary team out coming out of the East. I've been pretty vocal that I'm not a huge fan of Cole. Uh, I think he's got a lot of skill. I just I don't know how much of a of a team guy he is as a point guard. Um, I definitely think what we saw at Oak Hill is more of the player he is than what we saw at UNC. At UNC, he had nothing around him, so it's hard for me to fault the guy. Uh, he's just had a couple of injuries that made him fall on my on my uh, big board a little bit. I had him down at sixteen, um, but not a bad pick at all when you're looking to replace a guy like Brad Wanamaker, and they really need to hit on a draft pick because you look at the three guys they took last year uh, with Romeo Langford, uh, Carson Edwards, Trenton, uh, I think uh, tr- uh, Waters out of, out of LSU. Yeah. Tremont Waters. Yeah. Tremont Waters yeah it's LSU. really and then bad. You got Taco as a undrafted free agent. I mean, none of those guys hit Romeo Langford looks like a bust already. Um, I was talking about him as a bust going into the draft. I never liked it. 
And so they really need to get a guy uh, with a with a lottery pick right here. To, to really it's play. not just it's not just that draft either. I mean, you look at their whole bench. Look at the Williamses, Robert Williams the third, and Grant Williams. I've never been impressed by either of the two of them when they come oh, into Grant games. Last year too. I forgot Sem- about Grant was last year. Yeah. Se- semi Semi Ojale needs to not play at all. I don't know why to even season him. I I don't I don't. They're just they're just playing him like ten minutes a game, and he just really does nothing for the Celtics. I really think yeah. that they need to hit on these next couple bench picks if they want to stay at the top of the East like they have been. So Orlando's here at fifteen, the first pick outside of the lottery. Um, I really think they need to go with a guard. Uh, I don't think DJ Augustine's going to be there forever. Uh, I think Markel Fultz is solid. Michael Carter Williams probably isn't an answer for them. And so I have two guys that they could go with, but I'm going to lean on, uh, I'm going to go with the, the product out of Kentucky. All right. Uh, Tyrese, Tyrese Maxey. Um, I likened him to a Drew Holiday type. Uh, he's 6'3", but he's going he's gonna to D up like Drew does uh, every single night. He's, he can guard the best guard. He doesn't have the... Uh, he can't really go down. I, I don't know if he could guard many threes unless it's a small ball lineup, uh, which you see a lot nowadays anyways. Uh, but the one and the two on on uh, the opposing team, I think they can he can match up with very well. Um, I, and I, I don't like how his jump shot looks, but it seems to go in. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to fault him for it uh, the same way I don't fault Tyrese Halliburton for his jump shot. Uh, it's, it seems to go in and, uh, I think he'd be a good fit uh, for Orlando to come off the bench and sort of give them a spark on both ends of the floor. I, I think that's a great pick for that team. He's he's one of those guys, like you said, he's just he plays his heart out on both ends of the floor. You know he's going to give you everything that he has, and he plays good basketball. Like whether you, I mean, he's a little undersized for like the type of player he is. I feel like I feel like if he's like three inches taller, he'd probably be a lot higher on all of our boards. But I think getting him at this point in the draft, you're going to get a contributor. And I like, I like the pick a lot. I think it's a good one. I, I like that pick too. I think that, that, that I'm surprised that kid fell as far as he did in terms of the upside he has athletically. So Portland's here at number 16 uh, for Kellen. Uh, Kellen, what you got? Uh, I mean, if you're going Portland, I think you have to look at some sort of defense from the wing position. I mean, freaking Mario Azonia, I he's the worst player in the NBA. He every time he comes in with his freaking rec league high socks, and he's just like he's he, he looks like he doesn't know where he's. He looks like if you ever watch like fifth or sixth grade basketball and a guy's dribbling up the court and you don't, he doesn't really know what he's doing. Mario Hazonia still kind of plays like that. And that just boggles my mind that he's actually getting minutes in a, for a playoff team at this, at this point. So I think uh, this guy obviously doesn't play a lot like Mario Hazonia. He's much better. I think he's an ideal three and D wing in this draft. And I think he has the potential to be a knockdown shooter. I like Josh green a lot out of Arizona. I know it's not a very big sample size that we saw out of him with Arizona, but I thought that, he didn't really get as much shine as a guy like Nico Mannion did just because Nico Mannion has that ability to be viral with the fact that he was making all the plays that he was as a point guard who's also a ginger. I don't think mm-hmm. Josh Green got the shine that he deserved, and I think that he could really end up being a he, – he, he, he fits the Gary Trent Jr. mold for Portland, and to have two of them be able to come off the bench I think is a great, uh, is a great thing for Portland in years to come. 
Yeah, something that I didn't know about Josh Green is how how great he is on the defensive end of the floor. Um, every time I watched his film, a majority of the film was what he did on defense. Um, and I think you're right. Nico Mannion really did overshadow him a lot. Nico's not even a guy I have in my top 37 here. Uh, so, And I do have Josh Green. Uh, he, I have him at 29, and the only reason I have him a little low is because off the dribble, I don't know if he adds enough to a team uh, to take. But Portland is a great fit for him, uh, a guy that can uh, spot up for threes, run in transition, uh, play his ass off on defense. And, uh, yeah, I really like the pick here for Portland. Yeah, I think one thing I noticed about Josh Green and everything that I've seen is he just he makes the right plays. You know, he's a good finisher in transition. And he makes smart passes. That's one thing I really noticed is he's not afraid to make one extra pass to make the right play. So that's the type of guy you want in any roster. And Portland just needs guys like him. And I think it's a good fit. So the first uh, multiple picks, I guess you should, I could say here in the draft, it comes with Minnesota here picking at 17 and D'Angelo you're back on the clock who are you going to add with Anthony Edwards um we're going to take the three and D guy that I think you thought I was going to take earlier so I'm going to take the other Bay I'm taking Tyler Bay okay I think he's I did not I didn't think that's who you're oh, going to take wow either. I think I think he's a good fit on this team and specifically next to Carl Anthony Towns I think he gives them a little bit of flexibility in what they can do because he's such a good rebounder as well so his ability to rebound and consistently knock down shots, he's kind of a unique 3 and D guy in this class in the sense that he can rebound the ball so well, and he does shoot 42% from three. I know he's a guy that you like, Noah. You told me to check him out. Um, I think this would be a good haul for Minnesota, and it would go a long way in helping them kind of turn around and maybe even start playing a little bit of defense. I like the fit with this team, and I think that he's – one of the guys that's just going to be a solid pro no matter what. Yeah. Uh, I love Bay, that. Yeah. I love – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go no ahead. yeah. Bay, Bay was a guy that I just sort of stumbled upon uh, when I was doing some draft work. And uh, I just – I saw him, and defensively, he just – he looks like he could be the best player or the best defender in this draft and really uh, challenge Isaac Okoro uh, for that, uh, that uh, uh, quote-unquote title of uh, the, the best defender. Um, the jump shot is, it seems to be there, especially in the mid range. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like a pure enough jump shot to be able to spread him out a little bit. Uh, I think a lot of people don't like him because of his size at six, seven, but in today's game, I mean, you have PJ Tucker at six, six playing, uh, power forward and center sometimes. So I don't think it's that big of a stretch, uh, to see a guy like Tyler Bay, uh, make it in this league. And I think that's a good fit, uh, for Minnesota to pair him with Anthony Edwards in this draft too is very questionable in defensive end. Yeah. So Dallas is here for me, my Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> um, a lot of the guys I thought that were going to fall did not. <laughs> so I'm in a bit of a pick. Uh, but I think the best pick for them uh, is going to have to be a guy who – uh, sort of uh, makes his name on the defensive end. And that's going to be Patrick Williams out of Florida State. All right. He's still only 18 years old. Um, I have him ranked as the 18th best player in the draft, and I'm taking him here at 18. Uh, I don't like his shot either, but once again, seems to go in for him. Uh, off the dribble, he doesn't add too much, but you don't really need that when you have a guy like Luka. 
And so I think that guy's him yeah. uh, onto a bench unit and possibly uh, a potential starter at some point, uh, whether it be because of injuries or just his play is that good. Um, he's a physical specimen uh, when you look at him at 6'8". And, uh, yeah, I just – of everybody on the board, I don't think they need a guard. I don't think you can really go uh, with anybody that's going to be ball dominant. And so I think adding a guy like Patrick Williams is the best fit, I guess, for for Dallas. Yeah, I really like that pick, Noah. I think that I think that he he has the potential to be one of the best like wing play uh, role players that we see in this draft. Um, there's he he plays a lot. He he feels like he he feels like a Houston Rocket to me in terms of like his defensive ability. He just screams PJ Tucker in terms of like he's a better athlete than PJ Tucker, but I think he has the same defensive capabilities. Where it's like if he has to be switched onto a guy. If he has to be switched onto a talented big like Carl Anthony Towns, I think he can survive. Uh, so yeah, he, he fits that Draymond. Um, he fits that Draymond PJ Tucker role, but with a little more athleticism for me. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of this pick. I mean, anything to get Luca a chance to to win a title. I think a guy like this could really go a long way for that team, especially with how they struggled defensively. So now we're back to D'Angelo with Brooklyn. Boy, this one is just – this team is weird. They don't need guards. And I think at this point they might just go with a best player available kind of pr- approach. But I think what I'm going to do here is I'm going to go with Jalen Smith. Um, it's a position they don't have a ton of. And I just like what this guy does. You know, he's a good defender. He's going to bring a lot on that end of the floor. And he's shown that he has at least a capable jump shot. I mean, he shoots 75% from the free throw line. He's a 37% three-point shooter. If you add that off the bench or even potentially next to Kevin Durant, I think that's the type of guy that could help them. I mean, him and Jared Allen together would be pretty uh, pretty nice. Pretty nice defensively. So I think he's the guy that just makes the most sense in terms of fit and how the board shook out here. And I think I'm going to go with him. Yeah. I think, I think Jalen Smith is what the Nets thought they were getting when they got, when they signed DeAndre. <laughs> like, yeah. he, like obviously, obviously like, obviously like they don't play, they don't play similar types, but he can take the minutes that, De- that DeAndre Jordan thought he was going to get from that, from the standpoint of a backup center, maybe even compete, start, start in certain lineups instead of Jared Allen from that aspect. I love that pick from D'Angelo. Yeah, he's going to come in for Jared Allen, and you're not. I don't think you're going to see a huge difference on the floor, to be honest with you. Um, the only reason I have him low is the I don't, I don't have, like, really, besides a, a Kongwu and Wiseman, uh, Pokusevsky at 30 is my next highest center. Because I just don't value these centers that well, but you're going to see centers getting taken here at this point in the draft, and it's a really good uh, fit, just, just like I said. He and Jared Allen really, uh, really are the same players. So you're gonna you're gonna get very good production off the bench bench from a guy like uh, Jalen Smith. And uh, yeah, he's he's a really good pick here. So Miami for Kellen is now up. I love Miami's roster. I love Miami's roster. I really don't think it really has a weakness. I think it's the I think it's honestly like from front from. From first guy to in terms of like overall depth on the roster, I think it's just one of the best in the NBA. 
But if I have to pick a guy, I, I think Goran Dragic is probably going to be a – they probably aren't going to be able to re-sign him in terms of cap space. And with Kendrick Nunn's history, injury history, it'd be smart to get another point guard. I like Trey Jones for them. I think oh. that in Duke – Duke last season, he averaged 16 points, six and a half assists, and four rebounds. He's just a glue guy. He's a junkyard dog. He's not going to take shots away from Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. I think he can fit right in with what the Heat are doing. I think he kind of fits that that Heat mentality that they have there. And I I, I think that he can be a great role player for a playoff team for, for them. Yeah, what people I don't think know about Trey Jones is he was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year last year, which uh, speaks volumes in that conference. Uh, for a guy his size at 6'2", to be able to play as tough as he did on the defensive end and, and stay with as many guys as, he, as he's able to and guard really as many positions as he's able to. Um, he's a, He has an amazing IQ. I think uh, he's the other uh, brother in this uh, draft like Lamella Ball had with Lonzo. Trey had Tyus a few years back, his older brother getting drafted. And I think Trey developmentally speaking is at a higher or is, is, uh, is better as a basketball player coming into this draft than Tyus was. And so this is a, I, I really think a steal for Miami to get a guy like Trey Jones in the locker room uh, who can, like you said, really play in that Miami mentality. Yeah. Trey Jones, he's, you know what you get with him. He's solid. He's never going to be great, but I like him yeah. on that team too. And I think you just have a guy who's going to contribute consistently in the same way. And, I mean, anytime you can get a guy that can defend guards, you can't have too many of those on any team. So Philly here, uh, a very weird roster <laughs> for Philly, to be honest. Um, I don't really know where they would want to go, but I do know they would like some more three-point shooting. And I think the best fit for that is a guy out of Stanford named Tyrell Terry. Let's go. Love this guy. I love this guy. Tyrell Terry uh, could be the best shooter in this class by far. Um, He has – I wouldn't say it's Trey Young-like because I don't think he's as quick as Trey, uh, but I think it's more more Steph-like when he's shooting the basketball and he can shoot it from deep. And um, I really like I really like uh, would like to have him as my backup point guard in Philadelphia. I think having uh, I mean he's going to he's going to come uh, into the league and get picked on on the defensive end because of his size, and that's going to be an issue. Uh, but with the guys he has around him, I think he's going to be able to learn, especially if Ben Simmons is there to sort of uh, teach him some things, uh, playing that point guard position. Um, I think it's a really good fit for, for Philadelphia to, to add a, a knockdown shooter like Terry. Yeah, I like you said, you knew I was going to like this one. I love this dude. He just shoots the lights out. And he does – he has a similar-looking jump shot to Trey Young, so, like, I definitely see what you mean there. But, uh, yeah, with a team like Philly, they've needed guys like this for the entirety that this core has been – together so I think it's a perfect time to at least get someone in there yeah I think this guy really does have he he might have the best looking jump shot in the whole draft honestly he's he's he he I really don't think he's going to be a great shooter in the league one day so uh D'Angelo you're back up here with Denver's pick 
Yes. Okay. So Denver could go any number of ways, but I think I'm Denver is another Russ. They've got a ton of guards, um, but I'm going to add another one, and it's probably not the guy you think it's going to be. But I'm going to add Desmond Bain to this roster. Um, I like it. I like that a lot. I like this dude, and he just he can score and. He shoots the ball, and I mean, obviously, he's one of the better shooters in this draft, I think. And he just he does a lot of things well. He's not really gonna blow you away in any single department, but I think he brings a lot to the table. And I think Denver could really probably use a guy like this off of their bench, especially when Gary Harris is just seemingly forgotten how to play basketball. I think he could kind of slide into what he what they wanted him to be. I like this guy a lot. Yeah, he's Eric Gordon. Yes. Yeah, to, yep. To be frank, I mean, he, he's he's built like Aaron Gordon. He plays exactly how Aaron Gordon plays. Maybe not the, his days in uh, Indiana, but especially how he plays now at, at, with Houston and uh, the times he the time he spent in the NBA um, in Denver. You just need you just need to add more guys to this roster because you need to be able to figure out what your lineups are going to be when when guys like Will Barton and Gary Harris are out of the lineup because uh, it's been seen uh, throughout the years in Denver that they can't stay healthy. And so having a guy like Bain who has, um, I wouldn't say a high upside, but definitely can be that six, seven man off a bench Mm -hmm. uh, in years to come. He's, he's a really good fit for Denver. And uh, yeah, it's, he screams Eric Gordon to me. That's a great comparison. I hadn't even thought about it. Yeah, Kellen, you're back up now with uh, Utah's pick. Uh, yeah, so for Utah here, I really think this is the guy that's probably fallen farthest in the draft. And it's probably going to give some Utah fans a little bit of PTSD just because his, his comparison, he plays a lot like Dante Exum. But I do like R.J. Hampton here for Utah. I really just think that they just need um, scoring when it comes to the other side of the floor. I mean, obviously their offense has been really efficient here in the bubble, but – we saw we saw at times that without Bogdan Bogdanovich, they just need more guys that can create their own shot. And that's what R.J. Hampton can do. I really like the experience he's gotten with the New Zealand Breakers. I think he has a chance to uh, probably start and be, a, and be a, a solid contributing guard for them one day. Yeah, yeah R.J.'s a, RJ's a bit of a weird prospect coming out of New Zealand. Um, you saw his the flashes he had in high school of how athletically gifted he is. Um Everything I've read and seen and heard from scouts is that uh, is that his jump shot's really coming along. Um, so, so that's a good sign. Defensively, he's all over the place. It's not even like he knows where to go sometimes. And so hopefully getting to Utah and learning from a lot of these guys and learning from, like D'Angelo mentioned at the top of the pod, uh, one of the better coaches in the league, Quinn Snyder, he can really learn how to play defense better. And he's already got a lot of good defenders on that team that he can learn from as well, whether it be Donovan Mitchell. Uh, Joe Ingles is a, a, a really good uh, perimeter defender. Um, Rudy Gobert speaks for himself. And so there's a lot of guys that, um, that can really, he can really learn from uh, all over the place. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good pick. Even, I mean, we all, I think we all have our doubts about him. I know uh he's he's got some issues but i think that's a place where he can learn a lot like you said from a great coach and a great organization with some great players ahead of him i think who better from him to learn from how to 
be efficient on offense, I guess. And then Donovan Mitchell, he could kind of be a Donovan Mitchell light for them if they needed him to be. Yeah, Milwaukee here with the next pick. I'm not going to let this guy fall. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Kyra Lewis yeah. out of Alabama. He's fallen way too far at this point for me to not for me to just let him go by. Uh, I have him ranked as the 11th best player in the draft. Um, the only reason I didn't go with him at Philly is because uh, I just I, I don't like the shooting as much, and I think Philly will will look to get shooting more than anything. Uh, but Milwaukee. You get into a great system, the best team in the league record-wise. Uh, a very good coach in Mike Budenholzer you're playing with. Arguably the best player in the league in Giannis. Um, George Hill is probably on his way out, I would suspect. And uh, Eric Lutz only has another year under his, uh, on his contract. And so Kyra can be a guy that can learn from these uh, older uh, point guards on this Milwaukee Bucks team, and uh, he could really take the reins uh, once they're gone. It would be such a steal if this guy actually fell to Milwaukee. It wouldn't yeah. even make any sense. It would be so dumb, but that's why it's the exact right pick to make here for every single reason. This, yeah, the speed he's the speed he's got, the way he could the way he could be um, he could just be an instant score, an instant offense off the bench for the Bucks second unit, like a Lou Williams type, or maybe better comparison, like Ish Smith type that the, I'm surprised we forgot about him for this long, honestly. Yeah. I think he's just a weird fit mm-hmm. uh, with, with a lot of these teams that are on the board because not a lot of them need, like I was thinking about going with him at Dallas, but I don't know how well he can play off ball and that's what you're going to have to do in Dallas. And so, yeah, I just think it's an odd fit with a lot of these teams here uh, in the, uh, that are sort of in this middle part of the draft. Uh, D'Angelo, you're back up here with OKC. Um, I'm gonna just I'm gonna go with a guy who's just a dog on defense, and I it could be considered a stretch, but I like it. I'm gonna go with Paul Reed. Uh, Paul Reed out of DePaul. He he's just a monster on the defensive end, and he actually is he's he showed a little bit of shooting touch. I mean, he shot 31 percent in college, but he shot 74 percent from the free throw line. So there's something that you hope that this guy who plays the four primarily can do something more shooting the ball, but he's a great defensive rebounder and he's, he averaged 2.6 blocks a games and almost two steals a game. I mean, that's just a guy that I think any team could want and OKC who I would say at the four position is, is a little weak behind Gallinari. I think he's a guy that could come in there and give them a boost on the defensive end. They really like taking the best athlete that's on the board. Uh, reading about Troy Weaver a lot, that's what we found out from his tenure at OKC. Uh, Troy Weaver being the Detroit Pistons' new GM. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Paul Reed is a really good uh, athlete in that aspect. Um, I don't know offensively if he has it, and that's been the yeah. issue that OKC has uh, ran into with some of these draft picks that they've made. Darius Baisley seemed to sort of have – something in the tank in some of these bubble games. But, yeah, it's been the offensive side. I don't know if necessarily this would be my pick uh, for OKC, but I can definitely understand the rationale of taking a guy like Paul Reed here. So, Kellen, you're up now uh, with back-to-back picks uh, because Boston and New York uh, are both of your teams. And so uh, Boston's first up here. And uh, who are you going to pair with uh, Cole Anthony? 
to go with Cole Anthony, I really like Isaiah Joe here out of Alabama. Uh, this guy is probably the streakiest shooter that we have in the draft. But when he's on, it's it's pretty beautiful to watch. Uh, I, I think he I think he could be a he, he could be a Luke Kennard coming out of this draft. Uh, at, but 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 has the potential to be a better defender, I would say. And I think he fits really well into Boston. Like we said, they don't have a lot of great guys who are reliable off the bench. But I think that if this guy can come down and knock down shots, he can. Down all he can take all the minutes that Grant Williams and Semi Ojale could play in like a smaller bench unit. I think he could pair. I think he could pair well with Cole Anthony. Uh, it's like a spot up shooter to him in that second unit. So if I'm going along with that narrative, I think Isaiah Joe's a good fit here. Joe is one of the guys I haven't really watched much. Uh, I don't even have him on my big board just because I haven't watched him enough. I think if I have, if I had watched him more, I would have him on the big board. And so, uh, but everything I've heard about him. Uh, the jump shots pure. Uh, Arkansas really ran everything through him uh, this year. Uh, he and Mason Jones, who <clears throat> Mason Jones could be a, a second round steal in the draft. They were really the uh, guys that ran the engine that kept uh, Arkansas's offense going. And so, yeah, for a team like Boston that needs some more bench depth, who uh, Bill Simmons on his latest podcast really said that there's only six guys deep. If you can add some guys like Cole Anthony and, uh, Isaiah Joe that can come in year one and play for you uh, that really adds some depth for them yeah that's they just need guys who can make shots and not be Romeo Langford or Brad Wanamaker so I think it's a good pick um, other than that I guess uh, we'll see who else you got Kellen yeah Kellen's back up uh, here so with so when we go when we go with the when we go with the Knicks here with the 27th pick I think like we said earlier with Obi Toppin the Knicks need stars the Knicks need people to root for the Knicks need guys who are going to be great leaders. The Knicks need guys who would have won a championship this year if there would have been a college basketball season. So I'm going to go – it's a little bit of a reach, but I'm going to go with Devin Dotson here. I think he has a lot of Devontae Graham in his game, the way he's able to heat up and create, but also while also creating shots for people. His three-point shot needs to improve, but I think he could complement R.J. Barrett well in the starting unit of that offense for the Knicks because Alfred Payton is definitely not the, the point guard of the future. And this guy, I'm not saying he is, but he has the potential to be in the rotation to be that point guard of the future. He's not necessarily a point guard himself, but he can handle the ball a little bit. And I think that he, he could he can he can he could he could he could have, he could have a couple twenty point games for the Knicks. Wouldn't be crazy. Yeah, Dotson a little undersized at the point guard position for my liking, but uh, I don't think a bad pick at all for New York. They like you said, they need some uh, some star power to come in. They need some guys that will uh, sort of that can kind of take over a game, and that's what you saw Dotson do at Kansas time and time again and uh, on some of the biggest stages uh, when need be. So um, while, once again, probably my, I might not have gone with uh, Dotson here, I, uh, I do like the pick for New York who does need guard help uh, tremendously to pair with a guy like uh, R.J. Barrett. Yeah, I think if you can get a, even just a solid guard in New York, that's such an upgrade over what they have that they'll take it. So I think I, I like the pick too. So the Lakers here uh, at 28, um, it's a little, it's a, I, I'm not sure what they would go with. I don't know if you, if you go on the, uh, if you go on the path that uh, you're going to build around, you keep building around LeBron and adding guys that can sort of get into the rotation right away. I know they went with Taylor Horton Tucker a couple years ago, who has still not gotten any time on the uh, NBA team yet. 
but seems to be getting there next year. Probably will get some time. And so, gosh, this is the toughest pick for me. I'm going to go with an energy guy. Uh, I'm going to go with Precious Achua here. Okay. Um, I was hoping he would fall to, to 30. I really was like, I really said to myself, I, I he's going to be at 30 and I'm going to end the draft and they're going to think I'm a genius for ending him and putting him on the Celtics. So that's a great pick. I, if you would have got Precious Achua on the Celtics, that would have been amazing. But I, I'm not going to let you do it uh, this time around. But, um, yeah, I like I really like Precious a lot more than I think a lot of people do in this draft. Um, I, I think he's, uh, he could be a Montrez Harrell for a lot of teams, uh, guard, a lot of positions. Um, his jump shot might not be there, but you know what? Trez doesn't have a jump shot either. And he seems to, uh, get things done at a small ball five position. And, uh, the free throw shooting's not too bad. So you might be able to see the jump shot work, uh, in years to come and just driving to the bucket. He's just athletically. Uh, there's not a lot of guys that could really stop him in college. And in the pros, obviously, there's going to be guys that can match up with him. But still, I don't know uh, how how easy that's going to be for most teams. And so I think adding a young guy like Achua to, uh, to the Lakers uh, to sort of be that second, uh, uh, that second stint where Anthony Davis is leading the team, uh, I think he would be a good guy to help build around. I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's a pick that makes sense for that team, especially at this uh, at this position. And we've talked about this guy. We talked about him on the last pod, where it's just he's so all over all of the big boards. So it it only takes one team to fall in love with him, and I think this would probably be the right team to fall in love with him. I don't know if he'd even fall this far. I'm, I, I I I like I, I credit Noah for the great pick, but I feel like he. I feel like a team like. I feel like he, he goes more in the 17 to 20 range, honestly. Yeah. I'm surprised he fell as far as he did. Yeah, I have him 14 on my big board, and so I was surprised. But once again, this is real. This is a huge fit draft, I think. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's a – like, I wrote down best player available a lot of the times. And so, I mean, it, it worked out for me with Kyra and, and Precious being the best players available on my board. But I still, you know, I – I just think fit-wise, uh, I don't know where they fit necessarily. Like Dallas could potentially go with him, but I, I think I don't know if the shooting's necessarily there. And uh, like he, he and Patrick Williams were the two guys I was sort of jostling over with who I should go with, and uh, I just ended up going with with uh, with Williams there. And so yeah, if Achua falls this far, I mean I think a lot of teams will be happy. So Toronto's up here for D'Angelo, twenty-nine. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you're picking at this position, there's not much that you need to do as a team. But I think what I've talked myself into this pick for a couple different reasons. I'm going to go with Vernon Carey Jr. out of Duke. I think that Toronto, I mean, when you're Toronto and your two centers that you play are 34 and 30, you probably want to look at getting some youth into that position. And I know that Vernon Carey, he has his issues, he has his flaws. But I think if there's anything that we know about Nick Nurse and Toronto's system is that they can develop the hell out of players. They did it with Fred Van Vliet, and I think they could do it again with Vernon Carey. You know, he's got a lot of offensive potential on the low block and around the rim. But I think he he, he obviously needs to grow in a lot of other aspects, and I think Toronto would be a good place for him to do it. I, personally, I, I, I thought he was really coming into his own towards the end of the year there at Duke. I thought he was – I think he seemed like a guy who just needs more reps in terms of – settling in on the court and getting a little 
intricacies of basketball IQ down, but Toronto's the best place to learn that, honestly. I personally thought if you would have went center here, a guy like Zeke Naji would be a good fit. Yeah. He's a really he's a really good passer. Uh he's got the potential to shoot and uh, he really plays like Mark Gasol a little bit. Uh the, the, from what I've watched him. And so I think he would be a good fit especially at the eight, at the young age he is. But like you said with uh Kerry Jr., I think he he'd be a really good uh defensive piece of the puzzle as well to fill in for those two guys. Uh, when they're gone, uh, uh, Serge and Mark. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I think a, a, a solid pick here for Toronto. So the last pick of the dra- of the first round goes to Boston. And, Kellen, you're up again. I got to say, guys, I really think I've fixed Boston's bench unit. I really think I have. Looking at these, Cole Anthony, and if they managed to – if they managed to – if they managed to actually end on the Celtics, I think Bill Simmons will be able to stop complaining on his podcast. But um, – so far, I, I think I got to go big here. I don't love Enes, Enes Cantor as their backup center right now. I think Tice is fine. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm kind of indifferent on him, but I do need to improve that with Cantor and Robert Williams. So I'm going to go with Isaiah Stewart, old school player out of Washington. He's got a nice little poo poo platter of post moves that he can use, but he's really muscular. He plays his tail off. He's, I think he could be a Derek Favors type coming off the bench for them. And I think that, uh, at that point, uh, they can they can solve a little bit of the issues they've had inside in terms of guarding other big men. I think Danny Ainge needs to listen to this podcast and listen to these three guys that got <laughs> taken because I think those are really good fits uh, for Boston. They're guys that will uh, I think are ahead of where uh, the guys they took last year are. Um, Grant Williams, uh, like if we're just comparing some picks, uh, Isaiah Stewart defensively is better than Grant Williams and offensively from everything uh, I've Jeff Goodman, I believe did a story on him and he watched him at practice at Washington and he has a jump shot. Um, uh, he didn't show it a lot at, at Washington, but he does have a good looking jump shot that could translate to the league. Uh, Cole Anthony to Carson Edwards. I think you're taking Cole Anthony a hundred times out of a hundred over Carson Edwards, obviously. And uh, with Isaiah Joe, he, I think he fits best uh, seamlessly into Boston's system. So these three picks for Boston, uh, an A plus grade, I would say. Yeah, the, the... D- Danny, if you're uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you're looking to somebody to hire, I uh, I'd love to I'd love to work in the NBA. He's available. Kellen Boss is available. I, I, I am I am available. I can I can I can I can I can make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. So a really good draft here, guys. Um, and a lot of good guys still up on the board. You know, one guy I really like is Jemias Ramsey out of Texas Tech. I have mm-hmm. him 17 on my board. I just, with my picks, I couldn't really find a place to, to fit him in. Uh, you have a Xavier Tillman, uh, who's who's good all around the court, offense and defensively. Uh, Leandro Balmaro is an international prospect who can uh, – who is going to be overseas for a couple of years, but with the uncertainty of the G League next year, you might like a guy who's going to be a drafting stash. Um, other guys, you know, Grant Riller is a uh, amazing scorer out of College of Charleston. Um, you know, Malachi Flynn was a two-time, I believe, Defensive Player of the Year in the Mountain West and a really good point guard. So still a lot of good players on the board uh, for these teams picking in the second round. And if I would have Dallas's second-round pick, which is the 31st pick. I would probably go with Ramsey here just to, just to throw that in there. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be a good pick. It would be, he's not going to make it to the second round in the no, actual draft, so. but 
for the purpose of this exercise, Dallas would have knocked this draft out of the park. Are there any other guys that we didn't mention uh, in the draft that you guys really like as uh, potential second round steals? Um, if the board, I don't think he'll be there in the second round either, but I like Theo Maladon, the other French point guard in this draft. I think he's got, he's got solid size. And I think if he goes to the right team and learns behind like a veteran guard, I think he could be a nice future point guard for a team. I I know I'm going to sound like I only watch big 10 basketball when I say this, but I really think that Cassius Winston has some sort of a place in the NBA. I don't know where it is. But I really do think that he can he can come off the bench and be a point guard. If you if you threw him in if you threw him in on Denver, have him come off the bench as a as a as a backup point guard, backup two guard. I really think that with the, with his tenacity to win, with the way he's able to cut off ball, with the intense defense he has, I really think he has a spot in the NBA somewhere. And I think some team's going to take a chance at him in the second round and be very happy. Yeah, if he falls to the second round, any team would would love to have a guy like Cassius. He's just so smart. I mean, I watched him for four years. I watched him as a senior in high school put up the quietest 30-9 and nine game I've ever seen. And so, I mean, he has it. He has uh, that skill. It's the size that, that worries, I think, some teams. And so that'll, that'll be a big factor. Um, yes, a lot, of, a lot of guys still left here that uh, – Jaden McDaniels even. He's a guy who not a lot of scouts like because they don't know if uh, – the intensity and the love for the game is there, but he has all the tools uh, to be a, a, a great wing forward at 6'10". And so there's a lot of guys still left on the board that I think teams would be really happy to get. Absolutely. Round. That's, what, that's what the real uh, – I think that's what this draft is all about. You're going to get guys that you're not going to necessarily say, he's going to lead our team to a championship, but – he can be a part of a championship run. And um, that this, this draft is littered with those guys. 15 to 50, you could get the same guy. Absolutely. I mean, realistically. I, like, I tweeted out last night that the Pistons fans can't be that upset at, at uh, the Pistons falling to seven. And uh, just because if you get a guy like Killian Hayes, he could end up being the best player in this draft. And so – that's that's what I, I really like about this draft. I know it's not the sexiest draft like we'll see next year with a Cade Cunningham and a Evan Mobley and Jalen Green and B.J. Boston, Zaire Williams, guys like that. But you have a lot of guys that can build a foundation for the future in this draft. And uh, it's not, like I said, it's not sexy, but it, you're going to really enjoy the draft. Definitely. There's 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 a good there's a good fifteen to twenty solid role players that that playoff teams are going to be happy with in this draft and I I really do believe that and so it's yeah it's it's not top heavy at all it's the opposite of top heavy I guess it's bottom heavy I guess would be the term for it but it's 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 a deep draft and I'm I'm excited to see where all these guys go yeah so guys I appreciate you guys jumping back on I hope uh, we can do this again in a couple weeks when uh, the the playoffs uh, sort of get into the thick of things in the second and third rounds and. We can sort of talk some actual hoops and not just uh, hypotheticals here uh, with with the draft. I'd love to do another mock draft later on oh, though, when it gets closer absolutely. though too. Once we get some the combines going and, and some more some more tape on these guys, I think it would be really great to do that. And so, uh, if you guys are working on anything, D'Angelo, I know you hop on Lucas podcast every once in a while. If you want to plug that, uh, Kellen, whatever you're working on. Yeah, uh, Lucas podcast is called Stirring the Pot. He usually, I mean, I'm on that from time to time. 
the last pod we did, we talked a little bit about bubble basketball and the playoffs starting, and we talked about our favorite actors of all time. So there, there's fun stuff. And then, I mean, I don't know. I'm always doing stuff. So just if you want, follow me on all social media platforms. I'm D'Angelo Starks. Check it out. And uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be writing some stuff. Uh, I'm wrapping up my last semester of school here at the Grand Valley Lanthorn. We kind of made international news this past year. So if you want to check us out, there's some great students doing some great work over at that paper. And then I also do some online web stuff for Fox 17 local news here in West Michigan. So uh, if you want to hear about the the latest things that's, that are going on right in Grand Rapids, right in Kentwood, right in Battle Creek, uh, just go to fox17online.com or you can follow me on Twitter at specialk5252. Yeah, and uh, I'm just uh, waiting to hear back from anybody that wants to hire me. So, you know, just I'm kind of chilling right now. So, uh, but yeah, uh, once again, guys, thank you for for coming on. I re- I love doing this. I love being able to talk hoops, and uh, you know, it's it's fun to be able to do this stuff again because we went a long time there where there was nothing for us. Absolutely, to talk about. So it was feels, bleak. It was bleak for a long time. This feels really. Feels, this feels, feels really good nice to be, to be able to do this. So uh, yeah. Uh, listeners out there, be sure to like, subscribe, rate, review, uh, whatever you need to do, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you, Noah. Peace.